0: It is great to be here this evening. Um, It is great to be back with the gathering again. I've had the privilege of preaching this pulpit before, but it is particularly great to be with you guys this evening and to be able to bring a bunch of my congregation with me, uh, unlike previous times being here. Thank you so much, uh, the gathering, for allowing us the privilege of being the guest rather than the host. I think the greatest act of hospitality ever displayed in the universe is not God's hospitality in welcoming us into his family, but God's hospitality in being willing to come and be our guest here on this earth. So thank you, gathering, for allowing us the honor of being like Christ in that way and being the guest. It is a great privilege. So I want to talk to you a little bit about Christmas. Do you remember, and parents feel free to like cover the little one's ears if that's appropriate at this point, but do you remember the last time, the last Christmas you believed in a certain jolly old elf? Can you remember that Christmas? Do you remember the last Christmas in your parents' home? As a child, the last Christmas that you were there as a guest rather than hosting your own Christmas in your own home? Do you remember the last Christmas that you were single? Do, do you remember the last Christmas that, that you had young kids running around in the house that brought a certain excitement to the air? Do you remember the last Christmas? That you were married. You know, I I think that most of us think of Christmas as as a beginning, it's the start of something, right? Because it's the story of a birth. It's the story of a birth of a of a little baby. It's it's the story of the of the birth of Christianity. But I actually think in our experience as the years roll by, year after year, Christmas is most memorable and often at its most poignant as an ending not a beginning. There are so many chapters in our lives that that we mark. We mark as over. We mark as a transition by this particular holiday. This holiday gets seared into our memories because of endings that happened that year. And I think that's really appropriate. I don't think that's like morbid or or, or a down or anything. I think that's deeply, deeply appropriate because the very first Christmas was an ending as much as it was a beginning. In fact, Luke's narrative of the birth of Christ, which we heard uh, part of just a moment ago that Mary was reading, uh, Luke's narrative, I, I think, actually contains what is properly called or properly understood as the last prayer of the Old Testament, the very last one, the the very last Old Testament prayer ever prayed, certainly recorded. Listen as I read to you that that prayer. This is from just a little bit later in Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 28. Simeon took Jesus in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. Simeon had been told, we know this from a few verses earlier, Simeon had been told by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before seeing with his very own eyes the promised Messiah, the the one that God would send to actually deliver his people from their sin and from their oppression and and usher them in to, to the future, to the life that God had planned for them. Now, when Simeon entered the temple courts that particular day, it was eight days after Jesus' birth, he knew... That something big was going to happen. It was it was more than a hunch. The Holy Spirit was compelling him to go to the temple courts that day. And when he saw Jesus, he knew. He knew this is the one. This is the one that God has prepared to save his people. How did he know? I wonder, I wonder what Simeon was was expecting. He, he knew he was going to see the anointed one, but, but what was he expecting? Was he, was he actually really expecting to show up and see a baby born to an obscure, poor couple? What, what, was he expecting maybe someone grown up that he would bump into in the temple courts? Someone of, of stature and power. Was he expecting someone kind of you know, straight out of central casting? Someone who looked the part of savior of the world? Maybe. But maybe not. Maybe not. Simeon knew his Old Testament. You, you can tell by his prayer that I just read. That, that very short prayer has at least six, maybe even a dozen different allusions and references back to the Old Testament. He's basically praying the Old Testament in those few verses. He knew, for example, that Saul, the first king, had, had looked the part of king, but had been a total disaster. He knew that, that David didn't look like anything. Nobody expected much of David, and yet David turned out to be the very one that God had chosen. I think Simeon was not surprised to find a baby born to an obscure couple. Simeon knew that this baby was God's chosen king, his Messiah. And so he took the child in his arms and he prayed the last recorded prayer of the Old Testament era. Now, we, we've been at Henson, we've, we've been in an Advent series looking at the prayers of the Old Testament. It's been a series titled The Hopes and Fears of All the Years, looking at the longings of God's Old Testament people. And and tonight, this short meditation, Henson, you'll be glad to know it won't be 45 minutes, um, this this short meditation is really the climax of that series and, and the turn, the turn to the next part of the series. Old Testament prayers, as we've seen have been marked by their longing. They've been marked by their hoping. They look forward. They look forward to the day that God's going to keep all of his promises. And even as they look forward to that day that God's going to keep all of his promises, they've also been filled with confession, right? Confessing their sin, confessing their unbelief, even while they've been waiting. But here we get to the last prayer of the Old Testament. And this prayer is different. Simeon doesn't ask for anything. And there's no confession of sin. There's no hint of, of unfulfilled longing. No, this is, this is a prayer of deep contentment. You, you can let me go now, Lord. You, you can let me die. It, it's, it's a prayer of praise. It's a prayer of thanksgiving because God has finally kept his promise. Not not just his promise to Simeon, though certainly that's kept in this moment, but his promise to Adam and Eve that one day a son would be born who would crush the serpent's head. His promise to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob that a son would be born who would receive the inheritance of God. His promise to David And to Solomon, that there would always be a man to sit on the throne of God's kingdom. God had fulfilled his promise to save his people. And Simeon knew it. It's funny though, right? It's just a baby that Simeon is holding. I mean, I'm looking out at you and a bunch of you are holding babies and I kind of try to put myself into Simeon's shoes and I think, right, I'm supposed to look at that baby and say, this is it, God, you've done it. You've kept all of your promises, it's done. But that is exactly what Simeon sees. Simeon sees in that baby something that everyone else around him fails to see. He sees the salvation that God has prepared. That's what he says there in, in verse 30. My eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people. And he's talking about that little baby. He says, God, you've, you've prepared this. And you've prepared this for the world to see. A, a, a lot of you have been spending quite a bit of time here in the last few days preparing, right? Preparing for tomorrow, preparing gifts. Preparing tens and tens and tens of Christmas cookies. Maybe, maybe we're gonna eat some afterwards here in just a moment. Uh, pr- preparing the preparing the house, preparing for a wonderful meal tomorrow. And here's the thing about preparing. What right, we don't we don't prepare in order to like just set it aside and nobody see it or notice it or enjoy it. No, no, we prepare so that everyone will be able to. See it. I mean, tomorrow, all all the preparations are done, and everything is going to be there for everyone to see. Right? A a a, a beautifully decorated house, a a table that is filled with all the trimmings of a Christmas meal, A, a, a tree that is that is surrounded by beautifully wrapped and deeply enticing presents, and all of that was meant to be seen. A lot of work went into it. A lot of preparation. But the whole point of it wasn't the preparation. The whole point of it was that everyone will see it and delight in it. And delight in you for the preparations that you put into it. This is what Simeon says God has done. God has been preparing, and the preparations are over. God has now prepared salvation, and he set it out. So that everyone can see. This baby, he says, would be the revelation of God to all the outsiders, the Gentiles who didn't know God. And this baby, he says, would be for glory to your people Israel. Why would it be light to the outsiders and and glory for the ultimate insiders? It's because he would finally accomplish all that God had promised to do for both groups. Both those on the outside and those on the inside. And he would do it exactly as God had prepared. So that when the people saw it, they would say, oh, wow, God did that. God did that. I I think that's why he's born just a baby to a poor, obscure couple in Israel. It's why he would grow up in a a backwater of Israel under Roman rule and oppression. It's why his public ministry would begin not with flash and fanfare, but with a baptism that identifies him with sinful and broken and oppressed people. And it's why his ministry would end on a Roman cross condemned and rejected by his own people, by the powers of this world, and apparently by God himself. If God were gonna go about saving you and me, the way we would go about saving you and me. Well, with lots of power and flash and you know pizzazz. Well, we we would think maybe that that, yeah, we get that. We understand what God's doing. Maybe maybe we even had a part in it. God wants everyone to see that He saves without any help from us. Not our power not our wisdom, nothing. He does it. Christ was born, lived, died, and rose again to reveal the glory of God who judges sin and saves sinners by taking on the role of human flesh, by becoming a man, by taking our judgment on himself. And exhausting it there on the cross for all to see, but especially for all who put their faith in him. Here's why this is the last prayer of the Old Testament. All of the Old Testament prayers that came before this were prayers that God would do this one thing. And in the coming of Jesus, that prayer is answered. It's it's fulfilled, and it never needs to be prayed again. Simeon saw that. I wonder what you see when you see Jesus. You see that little baby in the manger scene that that your mom or your grandmom has set up in the house. When, when, When you see the the ornaments and the, and the decorations and all the things that point to a baby born in a manger, what do you see? Who do you see? Do you have eyes to see what God has prepared in the person of Jesus Christ? Could this be a last Christmas for you? Could this perhaps be the last Christmas in which you see that baby as just a tradition, just a child's story, just a sentimental holiday? Could this be the Christmas that instead you begin to see that he is the very revelation of God's love for you? I pray that it is. Now, many of us here this evening are are like Simeon we've we've already seen what he saw and as a result of seeing what God has done in Christ and believing in him trusting him our prayers have changed right we we no longer long for salvation to come instead our prayers that God would would open blind eyes and humble proud hearts so that others would see what we've seen and believed our, our prayers that our sin would not only be forgiven, but that, but that our sin would be put to death and abolished and just be no more. Our prayers are that, that sickness and disease would, would be no more, that this fallen, broken world would be transformed into the glorious reality of the world to come, the, the new heavens and the new earth that King Jesus promises to bring we still have longings, but those longings and therefore those prayers have changed. Changed from, from finding forgiveness to finally being freed from sin forever. But I just want to speak to all of you who, who, who are Christians, who've already put your faith in Christ. I think this is a reminder to us that there will also come a day when the last New Testament prayer is prayed. The last prayer for forgiveness. The last prayer for healing or for strength or for comfort. I wonder what, what you're longing for this evening. I wonder what you're praying for this evening as a Christian you understand that the day is going to come when we experience what Simeon experienced. And that prayer doesn't need to be prayed anymore. We actually hear the very last prayer recorded in the New Testament in Revelation 19. Like Simeon's, prayer. There's no longing in this final prayer. There's there's no asking. There's, There's just deep joy. There's just amazing praise. Revelation 19 declares, hallelujah, for our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory, for the wedding of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. On the day that Jesus comes again, a second time, There will be no more sin, no more death, no more sorrow. So Christian, what are you longing for this Christmas Eve? I don't want you to give up on that longing. I don't want you to stop praying. But I do want you to add to that prayer, that longing, a bit of an imagination, right? Can you, along with your longing, imagine that longing fulfilled. Can you imagine the last lie that will ever be told in the history of the cosmos? Can you imagine the last shot fired in anger? Can you imagine the last tear shed? Can you imagine the last argument engaged in anger? The last betrayal? The last Lonely night. I can. And you should too. Because when Jesus comes, whether it's the first time or the second, he brings prayer and longing and hope to an end. Not because there's nothing worth longing for anymore, but because all along, whether we were aware of it or not, we were longing for Him. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we give you praise in the midst of our longing, in the midst of of our longing for our families to be different, for this world to be different, in the midst of our longing for healing for our bodies, in the midst of our longing for healing of relationships, we give you praise that you are the God who answers prayer and so brings prayer to an end. We give you great thanks tonight that you answered the prayers of your Old Testament saints that you sent the Messiah, that you have dealt with sin once and for all. And so, like them, we continue to pray with great faith that, Lord Jesus, you will come again, that you will bring the longing of your people to an end, that you will satisfy our deepest desire as you give us yourself. And we pray this in Christ's name, amen.